time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart, that's got passion for God, they're leading intercession on their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, everybody say elephants. Elephant. There is a giant elephant in the middle of this section. Um, and I think that's cool. You guys are the chosen section tonight. One more time, everybody say elephant. Hey, tonight we are so excited. I am so excited. Our staff and our leaders, both home team and DLA. You know, we, uh, at the beginning of each year, so around July or so, as a staff, we get together, we plan, we pray together, we ask the Lord, what is it you want to speak? What is it that you want to say over our teenagers, these junior high and high school students whom you love so much more than we do? What's the word for them? What are, you, what are the topics? What are the ideas that you want to cover? What's relevant? What's going to help them? What's going to strengthen them? And as we were planning out this year and going through various series, we just felt so strongly we were supposed to talk about kind of taboo issues, but we didn't just kind of want to make them up. That's so, you know, it's always interesting. It's like, all right, let's talk about this. I know everybody wants to talk about this. And it's like, nobody wants to talk about that. We don't care about that. And so two weeks ago, how many of you were here for cadre night two weeks ago? Make some noise. So two weeks ago, whenever we, uh, whenever we were in our cadres, if you're not here for cadre night, if you're not in a cadre, you need to be here. You need to show up on cadre nights. It's so amazing. Um, on cadre nights, junior highs all together, high school students are spread out all over the building. So two weeks ago, all in our high school cadre groups, in our small groups, we just asked you guys if there are questions that you have or topics that you want to hear from. What's, what are you confused about? What do you need to know more about? What do you want to hear what the Word of God has to say about? And so from those questions, we formulated this whole series, Elephants. And so for the next five weeks or so, we are going to be covering some of those issues. We couldn't get to every single thing. And some of your questions, if you feel like, oh, Pastor Brandon didn't get to mine, don't worry because we know the series that we're going to be in even January, February, March, April, May, all the way up through June and July. So if it's going to be covered in those series, we just kind of held off. You'll hear us kind of lightly touch on it. And so for the next four or five weeks, including cadre nights and Thanksgiving, so I think it's about six weeks or so, we're going to be talking about these topics. So I'll be preaching for two of those. And then on a couple, we're actually going to have a panel, some of our staff and pastoral team. And we've gotten together and you guys asked some pretty amazing questions. Uh, thank you for that. I want every single one of you to know this is a youth ministry that nothing is kind of out of the question for us to talk about. Because the Word of God is relevant for every single part of your life, for every single issue that's going on in our culture, everything, every single issue that's taking place right now in our world, the Word of God has something to say about it. And so the goal here is not to, ooh, let's say words that I can't normally say in church so we can sound cool or flashy or gimmicky or whatever. That's not it. The goal is that you would know that nothing is off limits here and nothing is too complicated that we cannot talk about. Nothing is beyond the scope of God's word 
and its relevance to our lives today. The goal is that four to five years from now, whenever a large majority of you are either going to be in college or have finished college in your early 20s or whatever, that you won't be saying things like you, referring to the church, you just, you lost me. Take a look at this clip. My name is David Kinnaman, and I'm an author and a researcher. The statistics are showing that young people are leaving the church in staggering numbers, and I just felt compelled to figure out why. Hello, I live in New York City, and this is how the church lost me. Growing up in church, I think I just got too close and understood how it worked the way somebody understands how a business works. It's just not real or relevant to me anymore. I don't think God was who I'd made him. You have a new generation that's asking questions and they feel as though those questions aren't being responded with honest answers. I consider myself to be have a really great relationship with God. I don't have it in the way that my mom sees. The result, it's pretty obvious. Young people are leaving the church and in some cases they're even losing their faith. I don't know if Jesus was the Son of God. That pretty much means I'm not a Christian, right? I am still a Christian, I just don't go to church anymore. Honestly, I think it's time that we start a real conversation. We just need to start talking. Let's start talking. It needs to be okay to say you lost me and not have everyone freak out. You lost me doesn't necessarily mean forever. Young people need to express their frustrations, their doubts, their questions. And older Christians need a place to learn and to be heard. It's about being able to bring up a question about evolution or sexuality without just having a Bible thrown. Look, let's just get it out on the table. You lost me. You lost me. Lost me. And let's get this conversation started. So, you can clap. So the goal is that years from now, you won't have those phrases coming out of your mouth. You lost me. We had nothing to say about it. Close your eyes. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the power that is latent in the word of God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will come tonight, that you would uh, so enlighten our hearts and our minds to hear from you. God, I pray that you would shine your light of truth in every part of our lives, in every part of our hearts tonight. Give us revelation and understanding as we talk about these elephants in the room. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 All right, tonight I've titled this message, if you're taking notes, if you are wise, you are going to want to write down something over the course of this series, because I promise you, as you're talking, and I want you guys to have conversations, even as you're at school tomorrow, or discussing it with your parents, you want to know, gosh, what does the Word of God have to say about this? So I've simply entitled this message tonight, week one of Elephants, Wise Up. Everybody say, wise up. Wise up. up. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's me and you, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
So those of you who weren't here, again, two weeks ago, all of our high school cadres wrote down a series of questions. Some people had one question, some people had multiple questions and different topics. That's where we're getting the content for these, for these messages over the next several weeks or so. So here we go. We're going to jump right in. Question number one. Actually, I'll pose the first two questions. We kind of group them together, all together throughout this, throughout this series. So question number one, I think it's on the screen there for us, or it'll be on the screen. Why is cursing so bad? A secondary question, and again, there was multiple people. We just kind of picked the one that was phrased the most, but several of you had this question, like, what's the big deal with cursing? But secondly, what does the Bible say about cursing, foul language, and sexual references? Which are brilliant questions. We need to know why we believe what we believe. Why is it? Are we just trying to be holier than thou? Are we just trying to be better than the person next to us? No, there's a reason. The word of God has something to say about it. Exodus, okay, so Exodus 27 says, you must not use the name of the Lord, your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. So obviously most curse words are gonna fall in one of two categories. One of them, most of us would agree if we believe in the 10 commandments, specifically commandment number three, do not take the Lord your God's name in vain. So words like, you know, G-O-D and then like the D word or Jesus Christ used in a, used in a moment whenever you're not calling on his name to worship him, to pray to him, it's just kind of like, oh, J-C, you know, we just say it or, you know, uh, God, whatever. All of those things, it is so clear in scripture. It's, this is sin. This is taking the Lord's name in vain. This is profaning his name. His name is holy. His name is unlike any other name that you have ever heard. His name carries with it holiness because his name speaks to his attributes. And so, we don't just misuse it. We don't just kind of throw it around. We're, we're, we're not okay with people just saying that all. Oh, it's no big deal. It's one of the Ten Commandments, you guys. How have we gotten so far away from the Word of God and drifted to a place where it's almost become commonplace to hear these things and it not bother us, it not offend the Holy Spirit who is supposed to be living on the inside of us if we call ourselves Christ followers. Amen. So then you say, okay, Pastor Brandon, duh, like everybody knows that. I know that. Like, what's me? So, what about other words? Profanity, words that, because the argument is often made. Well, there's nothing wrong intrinsically with a particular word, whether it's the S word or the A word or whatever. I am amazed. Listen to me. And this is going to be like, woo, whatever. I am amazed, moving to Colorado, okay, I'm from Louisiana, all right? So, so there's, just, there's just an expectation that you're just like honoring, respectful. There's just certain words you don't say. I mean, all these different things. So part of it is culture. And then the other is just like, like, like our, my parents were like real Christians. Like it's just, we don't, like there's, I, I didn't grow up like, oh, like you mother. Like, I'm like, whoa, whoa. And then so to move to Colorado and like here, because sometimes it's kind of like, just, we say, oh, it's just the culture of like Colorado and like we live in the mountains. So like, it's cool to cuss now. I just want to like, like, when did it become okay and acceptable for us to speak like the world? I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know whenever that, so, and some of you are like, well, my mom and dad say, well, your mom and dad are wrong too. 
The Bible says, let every man be a lie and let the word of God be true. Whenever you stand before Jesus, it won't be your mom and daddy to your left and your right. It's going to be you only standing before a holy Jesus, giving an account for your life. Just elephants. Woo. Okay. And so, so if you say, okay, but you know, really what's, who determines what's bad? What's, what's good? You know, okay. Other words are phrases that aren't necessarily taking the Lord's name in vain. Words that degrade or diminish or dishonor others have no place on the lips of one who we are claiming to be followers of Jesus Christ. That's really a tough word, right? Because our culture says otherwise and we're so immersed in it. But let's go to the word of God. Don't take my word for it, but take the word of God. James chapter three, starting at verse two. It says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Verse seven, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Now listen to this, verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. Let's take another look at verses 10 and 11. Blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So what we have here, let, let me just give you a little bit of background. This is James, Jesus's baby brother. This is a person who grew up with Jesus, who whenever Jesus first started his earthly ministry, James didn't even believe that Jesus was the son of God. And James had grew up with him. James was among the doubters. When, so whenever James decided to wholeheartedly and fully serve and follow Jesus, you better believe that he was fully convinced that this man, his brother that he grew up with was the son of God. 
Therefore, he was worthy to be followed, worshiped, and adored. What he said was law. He was the very image of God. So for James, he's like, I ain't got time for y'all. You can say whatever you want to say. You can believe what you want to believe. But look, and he was addressing Christians. That's the big deal. He was addressing brothers and sisters in Christ. Basically, he was addressing hypocrisy. All these people who are followers of Jesus. But he says, hey, you're saying you're a follower of my brother, my Lord, and my Savior. Let get your life, your language sounds just like the world. This should not be. This is not right. So for James, it was a big deal. And what's interesting is even in the early church, there was all sorts of debate and arguments whether or not to really believe that what James had written and later became part of the Bible, if it was really inspired by God because it, was, it ruffled so many feathers. It was so countercultural that even early church fathers like Martin Luther and a couple others was like, I think it was Martin Luther who referred to it. His, his exact quote was, I find the epistle of James to be a rather strawy epistle. Meaning, oh, it's kind of, there's, can it really stand on its own? Well, thankfully, there were other voices and people inspired by the Holy Spirit to say, yes, absolutely. Because we don't just pick and choose and, and, and say, okay, we're going to adapt, you know, the word of God to meet our lives. We're going to rearrange our lives to fit the word of God. Does that make sense? So this whole idea, it's so much bigger. Thank you for asking this question because it's so, because I think many times because we see this so poorly represented. And by the way, you can go throughout your whole life and not say one quote unquote curse word and you can still be a fountain of bitterness if you're always speaking negatively about yourself and others. Being critical and harsh and cynical in your words is all the same. According to the word of God, you're either speaking life and blessing or cursing and death over people. I'm just saying, these are elephants, right? Isn't this like, I'm so glad you asked this question. This is awesome. So if you don't like this, you can blame yourselves. <laughs> I didn't do it. It's just like, ooh, I want to talk about cursing. I mean, it's like, whatever. Okay, so, so listen to this next verse. Colossians 4, 5 and 6 says this. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. See, it's so much deeper, you guys, than, oh, am I living, you know, my life of holiness is, it's measured by the amount of curse words that I don't say, you know, next week, and I'm kind of weaning myself off of cursing. So, you know, I used to curse like 10 times a day. Now I'm gonna curse like three times a day. I met my cursing quota and, yeah. No, you've missed it. How much blessing, how much life can you speak over someone? How much light emulates from your speech, from your language, from the things that you say, from your text messages, from your Snapchat, hello, to your Twitter, to anything else, any other form of social media. How much light flickers from the words that you text, type, speak, say, sign, whatever. Come on. How much light? Because this is who we're called to be. Because for James, he says, this, that's not right. That ain't right. I don't care who says it's right. That ain't right. The word of God doesn't say it's right. The word of God says it's wrong and it's wrong. It's not subjective. It's not what we want it to be. Amen? Amen. 
All right, so great question. Next verse, it'll transition us to Proverbs 13, 3. Oh, he who guards his lips guards his life. But he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. So again, there's no trophies being handed out because I know some of you very quickly would say, oh, this is so awesome. Like, I don't curse. I've never cursed. (laughs) Uh, No, 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 no. The real question is how much life and light is being spewed forth from your mouth? Are you always gossiping? Are you always making fun of someone? Are you always tearing someone down? That's just as bad as cursing. You might as well just be saying the F word and everything else. See, in the Old Testament, they had the luxury of just saying, okay, we're just going to follow the thing. In the New Testament, Jesus said, you know, Moses said this, you have heard this, but you know what? I'm calling you higher. Because in the Old Testament, they didn't have the spirit of grace working and operating on the inside of them. By the way, whenever James was talking and saying the tongue cannot be tamed, it cannot be controlled, it cannot be brought down, it cannot. What he's saying is outside the grace of God, it cannot be a work of your flesh. It is a work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And he spoke so much in the New Testament, talked so much about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is why, and we'll get to this kind of later, it's beautiful, Holy Spirit, lest you be deceived into thinking. There was some conversation that I had that, you know, different questions even about the Holy Spirit and tongues. And guys, tongues is one of the ministries, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. His primary ministry in our lives is to present us and make us holy before the Lord. You can be speaking in tongues and still cursing at the same time. You ain't holy. His ministry is making us holy. He is holy. God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. It's not a suggestion. It's a full-blown commandment. And even the tense in the Greek is, be ye holy. That's the strength of it, both in Leviticus and in the New Testament. Amen? Isn't this so great? It's so fun. Okay, great. All right, let's move together. Let's go on because there's so many questions. This is so good. You guys are amazing. Okay, next question. Drinking. Everybody say drinking. All right. Sipping saints. Hallelujah. Okay, what does, okay, so one question was, what does the Bible say about Christians drinking? And so I I think, what does the Bible say about Christians drinking? And then I just added in for our context, we'll talk about teenage drinking, and then we'll talk about over 21 drinking because there's a legal issue there. So so I want to address first teenage drinking, Romans 13, 1 through 2. Um, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of who? God. And they who have opposed will receive what? Upon themselves. So the question then becomes, as a teenager who's under the age of, those of you who are under the age of 21, when is it okay for you to drink? Well, according to the laws of the land, I looked it up just to make sure, the only acceptable context for uh, drinking legally, like just from a governmental standpoint, is in the privacy of your home with your legal guardian or parent present. Every other context is sinful according to the word of God because it violates the laws of the land. Isn't that inconvenient, you know? 
<laughs> How do I wiggle my way around this? I don't know. You're just, uh, this is just the word of God. Okay. So anything that our government considers illegal, we are to obey and submit to those realities as Christ followers. Any violation of government or, or laws is, is a sin. So here are the two exceptions. I even wrote it down for you so you can have it. Two exceptions whenever disobeying, uh, exceptions to disobeying uh, the laws of our land or obeying. Number one, if it, is a clear, if it is a clear violation of the word of God, okay? It says, okay, the law is like, you know, shoot three people, you know, tomorrow. Uh, 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 you know, okay, or, uh, you know, two, if one is asked to commit an immoral or unethical act, we do not submit to those laws, anything that violates the word of God. So examples would be in, in nations and countries and places where it's illegal to preach the gospel. We're not in violation because that violates the word of God. His word takes precedence over the laws of the land. Amen. And, and so, so the big idea is that we always submit to the governing authorities except whenever it causes us to sin, violate God's word. Does that make sense, everybody? All right. So the question then becomes, after the age of 21, everybody say after 21 or 21 or above, we gonna turn up. 21, I'm gonna turn up. You okay? All right, you can turn up. You gonna turn and find yourself in some places, okay? All right, Ephesians, <laughs> it was too easy. All right, Ephesians 5.18, Ephesians 5.18. Here we go, here we go. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, at the same time, 1 Timothy 5.23. 1 Timothy 5.23. Guys, I'm, this is not a biased word. I'm going to give you the whole word of God. 1 Timothy 5.23 says, no longer, no longer drink only water. This is Paul talking to his spiritual son, his son in the faith. He says, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. That's what Paul tells Timothy. He had some stomach issues that were going on. Obviously, Paul was, would pray for Timothy's healing, but then he gave him this practical thing of, don't just drink water, Timothy, drink wine. So many studies have been done about the health effects of certain wines and consuming them not in excess ever, never, ever is that okay. Never is it right. Never is it celebrated, uh, tolerated in the word of God. Never will it be applauded by heaven to be drunk. Does that make sense? So then the question becomes, well, is it okay? Like, just get to the good stuff, Pastor Brandon. Like, are my parents who drink sinners, you know? Are they going to burn? All right. So, so here we go. Because <laughs> that's what we're all thinking. All right. So, <laughs> or my leaders or pastors or whoever, whatever. Okay. And so, so, so here's the deal. Drinking, obviously, to get drunk, whenever someone is drunk, it always becomes sin. According to the laws of the land, 21 and older, you can drink. The point is, in this season of your life as a teenager, it is illegal, it is, it, it, it's, it's, it's sinful. Then it becomes, okay, like, well, whenever I get to college, like, should I explore that? Should I do that? Like, should I take, you know, a few steps? Should I do? The Holy Spirit, again, His ministry is to make you holy. Those of you who name the name of Christ... Um, it, it's interesting. It's always, a, it's always a discussion. You know, what is it? Wh how far is too far? How much? Do I drink like three beers? Do I drink like five? Can I drink like a wine cooler? Can I do? You always, always check the motivation of your heart. 
Always check the motivation of your heart. What is driving you towards something? What is it in you that is, is it like this exploratory thing? It's interesting, as I was kind of discussing these things, uh, Dr. Joe and I were, were talking. Joe's brilliant. He, uh, he oversees the mill here. And so we're just having this discussion. And we were talking about in the early church, some of the early Christians would always, they said, gosh, there's, there has become a thing now where it was like, how, how much can I do before like I'm like into sin and they would always say how much can I do kind of to stay away to make sure that there's nothing in my heart nothing's controlling me nothing's leading me away from the presence of God and so it is not my job you guys to tell you uh you know never ever do that in your whole life or hey you know live it up you know hope it works out well for you my job is to give you the word of God in addition to that And you'll feel this and you'll hear this and I'll always preface it. There are certain philosophies and there's whenever whenever a rabbi in scripture and in Jewish culture had people who followed his teachings, they would many times say we are under the yoke of this particular rabbi. This understanding, Paul kind of played on this in Corinthians when he says, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. And then another place he says, hey, imitate me, watch me as I live a life of Christ before you, in front of you, who I'm leading, and then just, just follow behind me. Watch what I'm doing. In nine years, youth and young adult ministry, going through high school, going through college, uh, been in various scenes, been in the midst of parties, been in the midst of drinking, been in the midst of all those things, all through college, never, I just never had a taste, never had a, uh, a desire, whatever. It just, it just wasn't in me. I always want to caution you as a Christ follower, the larger discussion is what are you doing, the effects of what you're doing, because let's not forget here, we will give an account, not only for what we do, but the effects that we have on other people. Well, I don't believe that. Well, read the scripture. Jesus said, whoever causes one of these little ones to fall, it is better for him that he would tie a millstone around his neck and jump into an ocean and fall in and drown than to cause one of my little ones to stumble, to fall by you doing what you felt like you have the freedom to do. In light of that, I'm just saying, have some thoughts, exercise wisdom. This really does come down to a discussion of wisdom. You're not gonna find me in restaurants around Colorado Springs turning up. You'll never find alcoholic beverage in my hand. You just won't. That's just, me. That, that's my, that's my Life. I'm not saying that's your life. I'm not saying it's somebody else's life. I'm just saying as your pastor, you will never see me do those things. Because I care about you too much. Because I care too much about this generation. And because I have lived long enough and pastored enough teenagers and young adults and seen my friends go down. And it is a very slippery slope. So do what you will. My job is to give you the word of God and to the best of my ability say, this is what I see the word and then encourage you, exercise wisdom. Have mentors and leaders in your life and always live, here's the big idea, in the light. Don't let there be elephants in your heart. Don't let there be elephants in your secret life. Amen?
that's everything I'm going to say about that. Because we've got to move on to drugs and vaping. All right. So the next one. <laughs> How was that for a transition? Sorry if this feels very choppy. It's not like a normal message. I'm like answering questions here. So here we go. Next question. There's a series of four questions. It's so exciting. Number one, is it a sin to smoke weed since it's been legalized? Pastor Brandon. Number two, if smoking cigarettes or chewing, dipping is a habit. Is it a sin? Number three, can I smoke weed and be a Christian? Number four, is smoking vape or is vaping bad? Aren't these just brilliant questions? I just love it. It's so good because, because while some of you, you, some of you maybe have the luxury, you're not in the context, you're like, what is vaping, you know? Um, well, God bless you, but everybody's not in that context and we have middle school teachers, even on our volunteer team, that are like, if you heard the conversation of sixth, seventh, and eighth graders right now, it would blow you away. So we're not just going to stick our heads in the sand and say, well, what is what we, no, 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 no. The word of God has something to say about it. Amen? Yeah. All right, so let's jump in. All right, so 1 Corinthians 6, 12. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. You say, I'm allowed to do anything but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. That speaks to addictions, a slave to anything. Underage smoking. So if you're under the age of 18, Refer back to <laughs> point number B whenever we talk, uh, letter B, point number three, uh, anything that breaks the laws of the land illegally in no context, whether your parents are home or not, or you're at home or you're in the park or you're in your bedroom, smoking is I illegal if you're under the age of 18. Did you know that? Did you? Oh, okay. All right, great. All right. So if you, <laughs> well, surprise. Okay. So, so for you, it is sin. To him who knows wrong and continues to do wrong, to him it is sin, says the word of God. And sin is not, it's not like, oh, like sin is just like no big deal because like God loves me so much. Like what, what, if it was no big deal, there wouldn't have been blood that was shed on a, on a, on a, on a cross. It wouldn't have been a, a life that was, no, no, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's, it's a big deal. The, the, the reality is because of that blood, the ramifications and full effects of it, the full weight, which is death, has now been transferred to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, that's good, because that's a big deal, right? I mean, Jesus is blood and death and nobody's slitting our throats whenever we sin. It's amazing. And so, so here we go. Underage smoking, under 18 is simple because it is illegal, right? Like we talked about earlier. Now, vaping. Okay, how many of you know what vaping is or you've heard about it like before tonight? Yep, okay, yeah. So 98% of the room. Okay, great. So vaping. So it's a newer, it's a, it's a newer deal. It's a newer a habit, a newer uh, thing that's kind of evolved over the last several years. So here's the deal. Okay, I had to call some friends. I was, talk, I was on the phone with youth pastors across the country today. I was on the phone with some who specialize in doing research and access here in town that does all this. And so, so here's the deal. So while vaping is possibly safer than cigarettes, possibly most studies and research are inconclusive at best in this area 
most scientists now would just tell you it's so early, we just don't know. We don't know how much it affects your body long-term as we do cigarettes. And, and so now the thing is, all right, well, I'm not smoking, praise God. Let me just vape, I'm gonna just vape it up. Okay, so, so if I had a gun and I said, okay, here, pull the trigger. I don't know if there's bulletins out of it or not. You know, it's maybe five, maybe two, two, I don't, I don't know. And, and so, so, so do you think I'm gonna go anywhere near that gun? You think I'm gonna say, all right, well, let me just take a chance. You know, I'm just take a chance with my life. Absolutely not, because I know that I have destiny and purpose on my life. I know that I was created for a reason and in the image of God in Mago Day. And so with the same thing with vaping, so from a, again, this would fall under a wisdom type of perspective. Is this the wisest thing that you can do? And what is driving you? I was on the phone with Pastor Glenn today and we were kind of talking through some of these, talking through some of these ideas and he brought up a brilliant point in saying, what is it? that oftentimes we are trying to cover up, to medicate, to fulfill and running to these addictive behavioral patterns. What is it? Because whatever that is, we're saying God's grace is not enough to fulfill that need in our lives. What we're really saying is, I don't want the grace of God. I don't want God to fix or heal or so I'd rather feel it with some temporary, emotional, very uh, short-term kind of fix or solution. And so can you vape and make it to heaven? Probably, you know, you're not going to burn in the flames of hell. You know, if you uh, smoke cigarettes, uh, if you vape, you know, you probably, you'll probably make it into heaven. But, but see, for the wise, once you give your life to Jesus, and once you really know Jesus, you quickly realize that this thing is so much more than my fire insurance. He is my everything. And there is an assignment and a mission that he has for my life. Wisdom says, is this going to help me accomplish the assignment and the mission that God has placed on my life? Fools say, oh, it don't matter. I'm making it in heaven. I'll get high because I got high because I got high. That's an old song. Okay, and so it's just, it's just, I'll just, you know, I'll do whatever. I'll, I'll let whatever come into my body. I'll drink whatever. I'll do whatever. I'll be wherever. I'll say whatever and kind of hope that it kind of makes, you know, I hope it just kind of balances out in the sweet by and by. But a purpose of wisdom, a person of purpose and wisdom says, Lord, is this the very best thing that I can be doing with my life right now? Is this, is this helpful for anyone that I could quite possibly be discipling? Maybe, just maybe, perhaps someone is looking at my life saying, that's, that's going to be what I want to model. And, and, and what you do, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I may not say it, but I really, what, what you do, I, I'm just, I'm kind of modeling myself after. Because you, wow. you, you claim to know Jesus and you claim to, to know a better way. And is, is that the, the better way? I'll try it out. So with these things, you guys, again, vaping, is it, are you going to burn? You know, no, probably not. I don't know. Uh, but, but, uh, but, but, but here's the deal. Because, well, it is interesting because whenever you talk about it, just, let's go back to this verse. Guess put 1 Corinthians six twelve back up. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. 
And so then the discussion becomes, well, you know, Pastor Brandon, hold on. You know, uh, what about people who are like, you know, they got to have their Starbucks every day, every day, every day, you know, and I got to have my caffeine or whatever. So all of those things, because we're very quick to call out like the big vices of like, all right, you're addicted to porn, uh, you know, whatever. And, and that's bad. And I'm not certainly not making light of because it, it will rip and tear your life apart in a billion different pieces and leave you looking like a fool. OK, and so I'm not saying, but I, I, but I am saying there's a bigger, there's a larger principle here about addictions in our lives where Paul says, I'll become a slave to nothing, where it says we are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, be filled, be controlled, be intoxicated, be drunk with the Holy Ghost. So many times we are looking and settling for substitutes and counterfeits that will never satisfy. So here's the deal with scientists are saying about vaping is actually quite dangerous because we are under the impression that it's really not a big deal. So, so, so many teenagers, but by the way, vaping tripled in its usage just last year alone, specifically amongst teenagers, young adults, youth and young adult culture, tripled in its use. And so what happens is we falsely believe it's not a big deal. So it's actually having a worse effects because you say, oh, it's somebody, so I'll even do it more. And oh, I can order my little bubblegum flavors and like strawberry and oh, you know, I like strawberries. Well, go eat a freaking strawberry. You know, there's no, you know, there's no need to be like, what is it, you know? And so there's, so there's, you know, it's healthy for you. Praise God, eat bunches of strawberries. I'm just saying, because here's the deal. Here's the big idea. Here's the question to ask in all seriousness and wisdom, you guys. Where's this going to lead me? Where's it going to take me? Those of you, especially in the public school system, even here in Colorado Springs, you'll be well aware, even there were drugs that were kind of like, all right, like that's just like in certain parts, like, oh, like in, you know, just in uh, uh, like, you know, lower income areas. And what's interesting now is that drug use is so in the world. And, and it's not just like weed, like, oh, we legalized weed. Oh, that's so cute. And, but oftentimes it is a gateway drug. And so really it's like heroin now. Now, do you think any intelligent suburban uh, <laughs> 16-year-old says, oh, I want to be like strung out on heroin? Like, <laughs> what would that be like? Many times it starts off with an addiction to these lighter, lesser drugs, this addiction. And over time, it doesn't satisfy the way that it used to. That's all I'm saying. And so in the context of wisdom, we'd say, Oh, I don't, Holy Spirit, what are you leading me to? What are you, and again, there, I understand it. And trust me, I've heard, you know, all the different arguments. I've grown in church my entire life. So, well, what about being addicted to, you know, ice cream and, you know, and gluttony? Oh, gluttony is a sin. You know what I'm saying? I'm addicted to Chick-fil-A and it was a whatever. And so, so, but, but like seriously, like for real, they, where are these things going to take you? Where does it end? Because once you get into the vehicle of, of these things that turn into addiction, where, where are you going? See, the wise person says, what is the end of this? What's uh, five months down the line? Holy Spirit revealed to me now. <laughs> and the foolish says, well, it's a highway to hell, you know, we're just gonna, we're just gonna drive and have fun, <laughs> just ride or die, you know what I'm saying? 
And so you guys are so amazing because some of you, it, you're just amazing because it's like, oh, you know, I hate this. Well, you know, I, all I can do is give you the, the, the word of God. <laughs> let every man be a liar and let the word of God, the grass withers and the flowers fade away, but the word of God is what is going to stand even in the age to come, even in the age to come. I want the worship team to come uh, up tonight. And what I want us to do is, and you can just scoot a little elephant right over it just a little bit to look, leave him on the stage though, because I want that visual. By the way, this, this took so many out. This looks like, oh, that's such not a big deal. Uh, you DLA who worked on this, you're incredible. We love giving you, thank you, for real. Such a big deal. Because, because here's the deal. Years from now, I want you to remember, obviously, the principles, but to know all Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture is God-breathed and is relevant and is profitable for me. Whatever the issue that we face culturally, on a macro level, your family, God has something to say about it. It's just taking the time to examine, hearing his voice and saying, Lord, okay, you are my Savior, you're my Lord. What do you have to say about this, Lord? What do you have to think, what, what do you have to say about this particular behavior or this particular decision or this in which I'm going to engage? And, you know, would you be turning up, Jesus, you know, or would you turn down in this moment? Or would you be, like, what, what would you be doing? Okay, and, and here's the deal. Whatever he says is going to line up with the word with the word. So it's a wisdom issue. Everybody say, wise up. We forfeit so many of the blessings of God and so much of God's plans and purposes for our lives whenever we decide to walk ignorantly and foolishly and whenever we run from wisdom because it's inconvenient. See, there are things that I do and there are things that I do not do, not because I can't, because it's not the wisest decision. And you know, here's the deal. Wisdom isn't um, a a product of your age because I've met some pretty foolish 40 and 50 year olds and I've met some pretty amazing and incredibly wise 15 year olds and they're in this room tonight who are walking in wisdom, who are saying no to some things and saying yes to other things and living their lives a certain way that just says, I love God, I honor Jesus, and out of wisdom, this is how I carry myself. This is me. This is this. I can't speak for everybody else. I can speak for, for me. It's a wisdom issue. James, the brother of Jesus, talks about a sensual, fleshly And then he even calls it a demonic wisdom. Hmm. And again, in conversations today, Pastor Glenn and I were talking, this whole idea of Jeremiah in the Old Testament says, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And your heart can even say, well, well, I'm just not convicted about that. Isn't that the cutest little statement that we've come up with as Christians? I'm not convicted. Well, like even though the word of God says it's wrong, no, I'm just not convicted by it. I live by my convictions. You know, I'm not legal. You know, I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. And so I'm really not convicted. Well, really like what the Bible says, no, but it's a conviction issue. (laughs) 
And so we've rehearsed these Christian minds and what we are giving into is a demonic form of wisdom. Any wisdom that is not rooted and based and agrees with the Word of God is a demonically originated wisdom. It is a false wisdom and it is a wisdom that will leave your life in shambles. It's a wisdom that is the equivalent to foolishness, which is the opposite of the wise, the foolish. You'll see that all throughout Proverbs. So it's a wisdom issue. What's my motivation for wanting to, you fill in the blank. The bigger question is why am I drawn to these behaviors and what's driving this passion? Is it the Holy Spirit or is it some other spirit? as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom i'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart they've got passion for god they're leading intercession on their schools they're set apart consecrated under god and they've got a vision and a mission for their life